one. Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lease, a sales rep, and a 5,000 company helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can find us on all social media channels and at leasealesrep.com. Thank you for listening in. It's going to be a great one today. You know, I love having these uh, these discussions with people who are in certain different industries that are leaders in their industries. And um, just because I'm, I'm just curious by nature. And uh, one of the industries that we're hearing a lot about is the car industry. Um, we're hearing about um, inventory shortages, chip shortages, prices of cars are going through the roof, used cars are going through the roof, no new cars are available. You go through a car lot and you'll see, you know, no inventory on the lot. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the car industry with the uh, with Alex Fernandez, who is um, the regional regional director of the Southeastern region for True Car. Um, True Car is an interesting business. We're going to talk a little bit about, about True Car and also um, what's going on in the industry and the space. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Gil. I appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to chatting with you about what's going on in the industry. I love the car business. Uh, and um, uh, obviously, it's a huge part of our economy. Uh, the um, the major purchases that people uh, have in their lives is their house. Second is their car, right? Uh, and um, there's a lot of stuff going on in this industry. And tell us a little bit about uh, what True Car does. Uh, okay. And um, we'll get into you uh, uh, and about your background and how you got into, into the car business. So uh, should we share with the audience a little bit about True Car? Absolutely. So True Car is a technology company in the automotive space. Essentially, what we do is we partner... Um, pending customers or prospects with actual dealerships. And we basically connect the prospect to the actual dealership through truecar.com, but also through over 500 different affinity partnerships, mm -hmm. companies, mainstream companies like insurance with Geico and Progressive, but also, you know, banks like Penn Federal Credit Union, as well as Navy Federal Credit Union, mm -hmm. um, American Express, Consumer Reports. So we basically have the buy, we create the auto buying program and platform for companies across every industry. No, that's great. So when I think of um, going online and I'm searching for a car, a used car, I'm trying to find out what kind of inventory is out there. I typically go to, um, let's say, a, um, a car guru or something like that or an auto trader. And you're kind of like, I mean, you probably I'm sure there's, there's differences. Right. But but you're, you're in that kind of space. Is that accurate? That's correct. We're, we're pooled in the same space uh, as a, a technically a lead provider mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for dealerships, but um, our niche has always been for new new cars, which mm -hmm. has been interesting in the past couple of years because we've had to shift and organically it has shifted. But um, the, the one differentiator with True Car in comparison to what the other companies that you actually mentioned would be mm -hmm. the affinity partnerships that I mentioned before that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I guess the, um, the, the, the car buying experience for the consumer and using the true car platform um, how, how, when, so it's a lead provider, you're a lead, like, you know, you work with, let's say French franchise dealerships. Franchise as well as independent, both. Okay. Okay. So um, you work with both independent and franchise dealerships and you're kind of a lead platform trying to connect the buyer 
prospect with the dealer, you know, a seller, get them together, get them to the lot, right, to buy the vehicle. Um, and uh, when I when you look at marrying the two, um, is True Car providing financing for the car? Are they doing that kind of stuff, or just basically just bringing them to the car lot and letting the dealer take care of it? So the business model, which TrueCar has been around for over 15 years, mm -hmm. and so the business model has always been an introduction. And that's how we basically talk about it. We say, you know, we, we're here to introduce mm -hmm. the customer to an actual dealer partner of ours, our actual customer. And so um, we don't, up until now, we haven't really gotten into too much of the digital um, retailing part of that, which is what you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, but with with the industry being what it is, we are somewhat moving in that direction with some new solutions that we have um being piloted currently so yeah it's interesting because um uh the the industry is um going through a change i'm not in that space per se um although we serve um and have served uh, some car dealerships um well let me rephrase that. We've uh we've sold technology um and other services into independent car dealers um okay. uh, so um, people who want to get to those customers so um that uh there's a move to do the online buying experience right for years a la carvana model right um and they provide financing and then they go, they go pick up the car you never have to see a, a salesperson right which i i got personally have an issue with that but that you know uh uh <laughs> and um I, I think that that something so so important um, there needs to be some kind of person in that process, whether they're selling you the car or somewhere, some connection. Um, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but the full digital experience, like buy the car, pick it up somewhere, don't see nobody or drive, drop it off in my office in, in, my, in the parking lot outside. I mean, what? Well, so it's it's interesting because I would never do that myself. Personally, I would never buy yeah. a, a used car, a pre-owned car, sight unseen. I, it's, it's just not anything that I would ever consider doing. However... Mm -hmm. Carvana has been doing it for a while. CarMax has been doing it for a while. A company named Vroom has been doing it for a bit. Mm -hmm. And so that the idea of people actually doing this has been going on for right. years now. They, they always sell used cars. So, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that said, the past two years has put a charge into actual, into the actual, into the digital retailing process mm -hmm. with more people being home, less people actually willing to go out. And, and so, the DR process has been pushed ahead by years in the past couple of years uh, to the tune of in, in the next three or four years, it's expected that 40% of people will maybe buy a car without seeing it new or used. Interesting. So. Uh, that's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, what is the, uh, I guess, what you're seeing um, in the marketplace when you're looking at um, car prices and inventory. Um, I know that um, when I drive around at car lots, I do see some of the used car lots have a lot of cars on the lot, used cars. And yeah. I'm wondering, you know, what are they paying for those vehicles to get them on the lot? I mean, <laughs> and I'm going through the franchise deals and I'm not seeing a lot of inventory on their lot. So I'm like, okay, so what's going on there with prices? Where are these people getting these cars from? You know, uh, so help us to understand that. So, you know, it's been, it's basically been an upside down world in automotive for the past couple of years, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a retail location or an independent, 
the, the, the problem has been sourcing vehicles and sourcing them at the right price. Mm-hmm. So as far as independence goes, enable, in order to actually get the cars, historically, they've had to go to an auction to actually mm-hmm. buy a lot of the cars that they're trying to, to sell over. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that in the past couple of years is that the values have been completely out of whack. Mm-hmm. So in order to actually be able to go and buy vehicles, you were paying well above what any book value is actually telling you you should be paying for this actual vehicle. So there was no rhyme or reason. Some dealerships would just basically go out and buy them for whatever, whatever they can buy them for, because it was just that difficult to actually get a car. Mm -hmm. Now uh, the dealerships that have, have some cars in their inventory have been lucky enough to either have good processes where they're buying from either, you know, their service department or they have some sort of, auto buying network, like an acquisition center where they have a company like TrueCar providing prospects or auto trader or car gurus, as you mentioned, which would help them actually buy vehicles. Uh, very, that's very, uh, very interesting. So um, our experience um, in the auction space uh, where just for the, for the, for the listeners and the viewers that, uh, dealerships go to dealer only auctions, right? So they go to an auction that consumers cannot get in. Although there are consumer auctions that are open, but um, the dealer only auctions you can get in. And then now you go to see a car. Let's say the car is um, wholesale on the normal conditions, not because of COVID, not because there's no new car inventory. Uh, normal car is $4,000 wholesale. But just as, as, as a general number for discussion, that that car now, because of the shortages of the new cars that are not coming onto the market um, to push the used cars out and that somebody picks up a new car and that kind of feeds the used car market, those cars are going for three, four thousand uh, dollars know, above what a wholesale price is. So that car for the dealer. Uh, is coming out at eight thousand or sixty five hundred or seven thousand three thousand dollars above the wholesale price. So now, for the audience, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. That car has to be reconditioned. That car, meaning, it has to be cleaned up. May need new brakes. Maybe maybe a, a front set of tires. Uh, it has to be set up, cleaned up, and ready, primed for the market. Which may be another, let's say, I don't know, seven eight hundred bucks, depending upon. So now the dealer is into that car if it's seven thousand now that let's say eight thousand dollars into that car before he's even sold it um, um that is that an accurate depiction of what's going on that is an that is accurate and so it, it and that's where it's become very difficult to be to be profitable for an independent dealership um, because after reconditioning after buying it at an auction you also have auction fees if you buy at the auction so mm-hmm. you have to pay the auction their fees on top of it you know, it, it becomes a super slim margin for most of these independents. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the past couple of years, if you're not buying cars the right way, which many people had no idea what right even meant anymore, right. you know, you, your, your, your margin was just becoming slimmer and slimmer. Gil, excuse me one quick second. I hate to do this to you, but I have to excuse me one quick second. Mm-hmm. We are um, talking to Alex Fernandez uh, of True Car, the regional um director of the southeastern region uh chatting about the uh, industry and where the industry is right now regarding used cars uh and also new cars as many of us already know that covid shut down a lot of the factories 
across the world. Uh, and that resulted in chip shortages and just components to make vehicles and you know parts in general that go into the engine and things of all all those things. So while um, uh, COVID shut everything down, um, people were still uh, holding on to their used cars. And now, as everything opened up already, you know it's been open for a while. Um, they're trying to catch up with the actual demand by putting, um, you know, getting all the parts back and the manufacturing process back, the, the supply chain process back. And now uh, you're seeing more cars come into market, but uh, the prices are still high because there's still a high demand for cars and the new cars are not meeting the demand. So the prices of the used vehicles are still high. The industry, car industry is set up in such a way that uh, you buy a car, most people will buy a car finance. They have it for three, five, six years, whatever that is, a lease vehicle. Once they get rid of that car, they go back to the dealership with that vehicle and they pick up a new car. And then that car gets either sold through the dealership. But typically, many of the new dealerships historically, you can jump in here, Alex, when you're not ready, historically have taken those cars and sent them to auction. Typically, that's what happens with the new dealerships under normal conditions unless the the used car manager of that lot knows that this car i know it's going to sell and it's going to sell quick i'm going to keep this one right and make some money on that used car deal but historically under normal conditions the new dealerships typically don't didn't have uh, a lot of used cars is that is that accurate so yeah and it's it's, it's interesting because over the past couple of years what we've seen is new car franchise dealerships have been holding on to some vehicles that they would never under normal circumstances would ever even sell. You're talking high mileage vehicles, 200, 300,000 miles at times. And you'll see them in a front line of a franchise dealership simply because the new car shortage was, was in such a crunch that they needed something parked outside in their inventory. They needed some sort of inventory. And so, um, but in, in line with what you basically were talking about, Gil, is the, 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 a lot of the wholesale vehicles that technically used to be wholesale to franchise dealerships that would they'd come in and they'd sell them, a franchise, a franchise profit on a wholesale vehicle is always minimal. Mm-hmm. Some of these dealerships were able to turn around some of these wholesale vehicles and make retail value on them because, again, independent dealerships are now buying whatever they can and paying so much over what wholesale value is deemed to be mm-hmm. that new car franchise dealerships were, you know, at times making what would normally be retail profit on a wholesale vehicle. Right. Because there was no inventory of new cars, basically, right. you know, feeding the pipeline to uh, feed the appetite of the American consumer for these vehicles. Right. So, um, so in, during COVID, the new car dealers, and again, you would know better this, the new car dealers are have been making money, generally speaking, apart from the bailouts and things of like that, you know, meaning, you know, COVID money and relief and all that kind of stuff. But the, have, have the, the, used, the new car dealers been making money and the independent used car dealers have been suffering more? Is that accurate? That's, or no? that's accurate. And I mean, anybody that has shopped for a vehicle knows with the demand crunch, the, the cost or the purchasing price on average got closer and closer to MSRP. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the manufactured suggested retail price is what most franchise dealerships were selling their vehicles for and have been mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Because of that, you know, in, on the flip side of that, the independent dealerships that are paying more money to, to acquire whatever inventory they're trying to sell mm-hmm. had their margins compressed for sure. Wow. And, um, and right now, um, there are, I mean, I, I see the used car dealers. I mean, some of them have, uh, again, uh, inventory on their lots uh, and they're still overpaying for the vehicle. So if the car, and you and I had this conversation offline, if the car typically um, is worth $5,000, you know, retail after you know, the used vehicle, um, they uh, now the market is pushing that car up to seven grand, eight grand, because, you know, inventory, the banks have stepped up and have financed that basically, right? Is, um, is that still accurate? They, they, they finance that, that inflated price for that vehicle. Is that accurate? Yeah. So certain banks have, have, have tightened up a bit, but, but certain credit unions will mm-hmm. allow even up to 140% of what the actual value is supposed to be. So as it, you know, if the vehicle is, you know, in most books say is a $10,000 vehicle, They'll finance in certain instances, depending on credit criteria, maybe 140%. They may go to $14,000 financed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it became, it, it, it's a dangerous situation because if the market turns, you may have yeah. something on your hands that may not be close to what, you know, the value is. So it's, it's, right. it's, it's an interesting situation right now. Right, and we're going to be seeing what happens over the next few years with all these cars that got financed for more than what they're worth yeah. uh, uh, to keep the industry moving and business moving and you know the banks uh, moving and, and all that kind of stuff. It's a whole, I mean, the car industry is a major industry in the U.S. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, so you can understand the importance of trying to keep this thing moving oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. uh, from an economic perspective. Um, you have had your uh, personal experience uh, being somebody who's been in the car industry for you know over 20 years, uh, and um, you recently got into the market to buy uh, two vehicles, and someone who um, is in the space in the industry knows what what what's going on and profit margins and all that kind of stuff. Tell us a little bit about uh, your your um, your your two car buying experiences, uh, and um, you know what what that looked like uh, and. Um, a little bit about, uh, you know, how much did you pay? Not, not necessarily the dollar value, but above what the <laughs> car is really worth, because this is, this is like real for you. It just happened the other day, right? Oh, it's all too real. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, I've never seen anything like it in 20 plus years in the, in the automotive industry. I don't think anybody you speak to that is in the dealer world will tell you the same. Mm. Uh, now, me being in this space, I, you know, I can reference it by saying, obviously, I work for True Car, but I've been on the retail side of things and now I'm, I, I'm with a third party. Mm-hmm. But my brother has a dealership in New Jersey, a pre-owned dealership in New Jersey. So I really have a, a ton of great connections in terms of trying to purchase a car. I'll just kind of yeah. set, set the stage that way. Um, I it, Basically, to tell the story, we had my wife and I had two leased vehicles. Mm-hmm. All right. And at the end, we were coming to the end of the lease. So you're going to talk to a lot of people right now that are in a similar situation where their lease is, is coming up. You only have a couple options. You can extend your lease or you can get out of your lease. So this time around for us, we were essentially at the end of our lease. Something happened that's never happened before that may not ever happen again. 
my car that was a lease with the, with the mileage that it was supposed to have had $10,000 worth of equity in it. Okay, so that just doesn't ever happen, okay? Unless you don't drive the car at all and you have five miles on the vehicle and then you know the value will kind of maintain, typically, not increase. In this situation, value increased by $10,000. My wife's car was way over mileage and the point, the idea was maybe we'll buy that vehicle. So at the end of the day, what we ended up doing was getting something large for our family and we end up we, we end up landing on a 21 Tahoe. Now the 21 Tahoe, which was a year old when we bought it, was being sold at MSRP for when that vehicle was new. Mm-hmm. Now, under any normal circumstance, you'd have to be crazy to pay right. MSRP for a year old vehicle, right? But in this situation, we had to get out of our vehicle. I had equity in my car, and she was at a, a, a wash on her vehicle in terms of the trade value, which is just unheard of, it, it, you know, with the mileage of where she was, we should have owed a tremendous amount of money on that vehicle. Instead, because the values are so inflated on pre-owned vehicles, it was a, it was a wash. So I ended up buying a 21 Tahoe. I ended up paying MSRP for the vehicle, mm. despite it being a year old. Okay. Wow. And that, yeah. And that's something that I would never, ever do. Um, it's a beautiful vehicle. I, you know, I should say that. You know, it's a, a Z71. It's, I mean, it's a fantastic vehicle, but to pay MSRP for a vehicle that's a year old is something I would never even think would even be possible. <laughs> wow. So so for, for most people listening, uh, if, but if you lease a vehicle, typically a uh, three-year lease, um, let's say, um, you know, 12,000 miles a year, 15,000 miles a year. So you get 45,000 miles for that three-year lease as a hypothetical. So sometimes you'll come back with that car with an extra 10,000 over the lease amount, the mileage, and you got to pay for that. Um, And your, your, your example of one of your cars, you were way over the mileage, right? Where you owed in theory on the normal conditions, you'd owe a couple of thousand dollars when you threw the car back to the dealership um, because you went over the, the allotment of miles. In this example, you went way over and the car still was worth more. So you, you, you ended up, you were still ahead because the, the used car prices were through the roof basically. Right. That's exactly right. To the, to the, to the, to, to the extent of literally a 35 to 36,000 mile lease, we had 84,000 miles on it. Wow. Okay. And wow. so just more round than double up, more than, wow. More, more than double. And wow. just, you know, and I, just to throw the numbers out there, the, the, the payoff for the vehicle is around 31,000. Mm-hmm. The, the dealership that took that vehicle in on trade gave us 31,5. Okay. So we With actually the excess gave, mileage, <laughs> including the, the excess, excess mileage. mileage. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, and that's, that's insane. Uh-huh. And, and so that, that's the one vehicle. The second vehicle would be, you know, after paying MSRP for a year old vehicle, in my mind, I needed to get a deal. All right. 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 That's right. I didn't get a deal on my second vehicle. And with that, I knew I was buying a pre-owned and it was difficult to find the right vehicle, even having my brother being a used car dealership in business for 25 years. So being able to buy the right cars and everything else. Um, what it came down to is just really feeling good about what I was buying and, and, and basically buying it a couple thousand dollars behind what's deemed wholesale currently in today's market. Wow. That's, um, that's a, a, a great, 
personal story, but also recent uh, yeah. people are experiencing in uh, in uh, in the market for their used cars and their sold vehicles. Um, it's just the inventory is, is needed. People, the, the, the dealerships need inventory. Um, I don't know how these used car dealers, the independents are making money. Um, I mean, the banks are financing the cars. So I'm, I'm thinking they can't be doing so bad if, you know, the bank is financing the $9,000 on the car, unless the people that are coming in are not getting the full amount. I mean, because of credit issues, but you still, you still think that they're not, they're still struggling with the margin, even though the banks are financing the vehicle? So they are, but what's happening is that the days of not putting any money down are, mm -hmm. are over. So as a, yeah. as a consumer, if you're buying a used car right now, you, you're essentially forced to put money down. Mm -hmm. So the banks have tightened up on that. So they will, you know, typically they'll ask for money down for sure. Mm -hmm. And so a few years back, you used to be able to actually buy something with not having to put as much money up front. Mm -hmm. Or money down, and th those now the, the lenders are extend overextending a little bit, but at the same time, in order to get into some of these vehicles, you have to put money down. It's and it basically ties into what the independent dealerships are selling the vehicle for, mm -hmm. because they have to pay more for it. Right. So it all basically ties together. Wow. Yeah. Um, where do you see? I mean, if you see any um, any opportunities, just from a high level business perspective in the industry, just, you know, um, you know, what do you see as far as an opportunity in, in the space, either whether that's for somebody trying to get into it or some, you know, some business opportunity, somebody trying to do a service, uh, just where do you see an opportunity given this um, crazy market that we're in uh, for, you know, used cars? So the, the digital aspect is still where we have to kind of lean. And, you know, some of, some of the dealerships that may not want to jump into this whole digital age of, of purchasing mm -hmm. or even acquiring for that matter, you know, if that said, will get left behind. And I mean, it's unfortunate, but a lot of, you know, some dealerships that are kind of stuck in, in ways of doing things maybe 20, 30 years ago. If you don't get with the digital age in the next couple of years, it's going to be super tough to actually stay in business, unfortunately. So more in terms of, of opportunity, of it, it's more so how can you help dealerships acquire a vehicle? So in my role right now, currently with, with TrueCar, every dealer visit or every dealer conversation I have, if I ask them, how can I help you? The first thing out of their mouth is, can you get me more cars? They need and so, they need inventory. And that's, that's the name of the game. Um, and so most third party vendors have some sort of acquisition center, you know, buying center that is available where we have our, our customer base. Mm -hmm. um, we'll ask them if they're looking to sell a vehicle. And then it's essentially a reverse lead for somebody that wants to sell the car. So the dealership may get a lead for somebody that's only looking to sell their vehicle. Mm -hmm. And so this way we're trying to help the dealerships actually get an inventory acquired without having to go to actually auctions and paying, you know, the high prices. Um, just curious question, just uh, how old, uh, in your opinion, um, are the dealers looking at from a car perspective? Like, you know, I went onto the True Car website, right? I want to look at it before our conversation. I want to see how I like the antique, you know, classic cars, right? I like those older vehicles. 
on TrueCar, you can't go far that that far back. I think it goes to like 2000 or 98 or, or I think, okay, yeah, it stopped somewhere because that's not the market, I guess, you know, from, you know, from the business model for TrueCar, which is fine. Um, how uh, are the dealers, I mean, are the used car dealers going to take a 2002 car, you know, um, to put it on the lot with, you know, 150,000 miles on it? I'm just, I'm asking the general question. I'll tell you a crazy story, Gil. My brother had a Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser, that was a 99, 99 Toyota Land Cruiser that had 280,000 miles. Land Cruisers are desirable cars, generally speaking, though, right? They are a desirable vehicle, but yeah. not to this extent. Not, That's too, late, not 280. <laughs> 280,000 miles, 99. Wow. Somebody bought it for $10,000. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Also, another vehicle he took in recently was a Forerunner with 430,000 miles. Wow. Okay, that vehicle, the customer that was selling the vehicle to my brother, mm-hmm. they, they wanted to sell that vehicle for $3,000. And it had 430,000 miles. And they, they were adamant about selling that car to, to a dealership for 3000 What that means is that that dealership now is they, if they try to buy that car for three, what are they going to sell it for? Five? That's a 430,000 mile Toyota 4Runner. <laughs> that was, hey, listen, it's a tribute, uh, you know, uh, wow. a good word for Toyota. It held up even wow. in the Northeast. Wow. But that said, 430,000 miles, they wanted, they were adamant about getting $3,000. That car is typically a $100 vehicle, a $200 vehicle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because of, of so many miles and how old it is. It's just like it was 20 years old, basically at 430 on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that car is a two hundred dollar you know, metal vehicle. You know, scrap. Right. Vehicle. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I totally understand. We're talking to Alex Fernandez, uh, the um, southeastern regional director for uh, True Car. Uh, about the industry and what's going on in the space, particularly now. Um, things have gotten a little bit better from what I understand. We're seeing a little bit more inventory on the use on the new car market uh, because things, uh, you know, factories are open, and, but still there's still a backlog. Um, and have the prices dropped a little bit on the used car market? Um, are they still? So it's, a, it's super delicate right now. I, there's no real rhyme or reason. For the first time that I can ever remember, the market is is dependent on brand. So specific brands on the used car side may may drop in value right now more than others. Mm-hmm. And it it solely has to do with new car dealerships having new inventory trickle in. Right. Uh, as an example, I'll give you an example. I was at a dealership today, this morning, uh, a Volvo location that had some inventory come in. So they're doing a little bit better. They had some inventory come in. That said, the Honda dealership down the street does not. They have not one car available currently. So it, it, it's so the used car market is going to be interesting because some, some vehicles, like in this instance, if Volvo as a whole starts having new inventory kind of show up, which it looks like Q4 they will, um, then in turn, some of the pre-owned Volvos may, may come down in value for the used cars. So you need to look at which uh, which manufacturer is uh, able to uh, ramp up production and start to bring those cars to market. 
Yeah. And then that'll affect the used car prices of that particular manufacturer. That particular brand. So oh, it'll be right. interesting to see. So you'll have fluctuating values depending on brand more so than it's ever been. Very interesting. Um, Ford Motor came out with an announcement the other day that they are laying off 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, 2,000 somewhere and 1,000 somewhere else. And they have, they have, they're, they're, they're worldwide, right? So, uh, but those 3,000 are in the US um, from what I read. And they're concerned about the uh, inflation. They're concerned about a downturn, recession, kind of pulling, you know, pulling back the consumer spending. Um, so they're concerned about that. So they kind of see the writing on the wall or they're taking some preliminary measures to kind of prevent um, them going into the red with all these extra heads, <laughs> you know, all these extra bodies. Um, I don't know. What are you seeing? Um, you know, if you just, you know, generally speaking, if you could you know, project out in the next, you know, six months and, and into Q, Q1 of 2023, I mean, what do you, I mean, do, do you see this stuff? I mean, they, some saying the, the recession, obviously inflation is starting to go down. Um, they anticipate it really easing up in the first quarter of next year and things will get better. And, you know, I, we don't know that. But if Ford and Ford was one of the best managed companies during the first meltdown, they didn't take any bailout money initially, from what I understand. They they were they were strong. So yeah. if they're kind of saying, all right, let me take let's get me get with a headcount. Um, I'm like, OK, these guys were kind of strong before, so they may see something. So, I mean, just your, you know, spitball this thing. I mean, what do you what do you see? So it's interesting because you hear about, you know, consumers spending money, mm -hmm. sentiment being good about people spending money. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is whether it's automotive or other other companies in different spaces, a lot of corporations right now are tightening up. Mm -hmm. They're drilling down into their into who they have. If they're not, if they're ha not having layoffs, mm -hmm. they're really drilling down and they're kind of maintaining. So it's it's mm. it's strange because you don't really see it right now. But I, to me, most of the automotive manufacturers are are in the same boat as Ford. They were just a little preemptive to to mm. you know, let go of three thousand people. Unfortunately, uh, you know it, it's sad to hear that. Um, hopefully, hopefully more manufacturers don't jump on board with that. Mm. Uh, but it's in terms of. You know, automotive, it's still high demand. People still need vehicles to drive. They got to get to work still. You know, not everybody is remote anymore. More and more people are being required to go to the office now. So it's things have changed a little bit. Um, so I think that the demand for vehicles is still going to be there, whether it's new or used. Right. Yeah, exactly. We still we still have a lot of um, uh, excess. We have a lot of uh, excess demand in the market for it to shake out for and hopefully it'll kind of even itself out slowly over time and then okay and it'll start to balance out again so we're going to yeah. get to the lightning round questions which is the fun stuff um uh and um more about you personally uh so um you're a coffee drinker hot or cold i'm a hot coffee drinker okay good um yeah pizza um you're a pizza eater oh yeah yeah pizza okay hamburgers yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends, guess, on, depends on where it is. If it's a Shake Shack, yeah, I can go for a Shake Shack burger. Um, you know, if I'm in New York dogs? City. Hot dogs? <laughs> nah, I'm not a real hot dog person. Uh, okay, I got you. So um, when you're uh, when you're working out and, and um, uh, you're going to the gym or you're running, if you're doing anything like that, what are you listening to? Are you listening to music? Are you listening to a podcast? Are you listening to nothing just because you just 
don't some people don't work out with anything. They want to clear their head and not hear anything. What do you do? No, I definitely have music on and I have it pretty loud. Um, okay. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, I have a variety of things. I'm not listening to Frank Sinatra while I'm working out. I probably have a little bit heavier rock or uh, you know some good old fashioned. Um, Techno music from up north. <laughs> I got you. Okay, I get you. Get you pumping so that you can uh, exercise. I got you. So yeah. when you're not when you're not uh, working um, and um, being a family man, taking care of the kids, and you have time on your hands that you could do stuff for yourself. Yeah. Hobbies, distractions. What What do you like to do when you're not um, doing the family stuff and working? So I've become I've become uh, a reader recently. Okay. And you know. Uh, with with different um, parts of our lives, right? I feel like you have different books that kind of fall into whatever bracket you're in. And so okay. I've I've picked up some good reads recently, um, but also um, I, I am into sports and I'm trying to keep myself as young as possible. So I, I play in flag football leagues mm-hmm. uh, for adult adult men, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so that that kind of occupies occupies some of my time. But with uh, with three little ones at home. It is busy. And uh, so between the, the kids, uh, exercising, reading, and then playing, playing a little bit of sports on the weekends, my time is is tied up. No, I, I hear you. So if you um, if you could go any place right now uh, and money and time was not an issue, didn't matter. Yeah. Where, where would you go? So if I go, if I can go anywhere right now in time, money was not an issue. I I'd like to visit Dubai. I'd like to visit Dubai. I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a city, it's, you know, visually stunning and, and just everything there is just, you know, next level opulence. So I think the one place, I mean, if I could just say, all right, you know, I'm leaving for a month, mm-hmm. I'd probably go to Dubai and spend some time there. Sure. Okay. Okay. No, that, that's great. So um, if you had a, um, a, and this question could be related to business or it could be personal. It doesn't have to be. A lot of people tend to think about business, but um, it could be personal. If you had um, a superpower um, that was given to you, one thing, one superpower, um, what would that superpower be? Huh. That's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. A superpower... Uh... You know, personally, um, the superpower would be able to uh, maybe bring people back that you have lost, mm. you know, the ability to bring people back from uh, the next the next world. That would probably be my superpower personally, uh, my situation. OK, yeah. and, and that's and uh, and that's uh, that's fine. Um, well, we're talking to uh, to Alex Fernandez, the Southeastern Regional Director of uh, True Car. Um, talking about the status in the um, of the car industry, uh, Alex. Been great chatting with you. Thanks for hopping on and having a conversation about where the industry is today, uh, and a little bit about you um, and uh, what you like to do and, and that kind of stuff. Because we're all you know made up of different things, and it's not only work, uh, family, it's um, hobbies, and it's doing other stuff, and um, that makes you the person that you are. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been fun, and uh, I look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks so much. Good to be with you. All right.